Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yeah, well, good morning one more time. Man, I can't tell you how, how uh, I guess the word is surreal. It's, really, it's more exciting uh, to see everybody today, folks in the house. I'm relearning how to preach to human beings, physical human beings again. So thanks for bearing with me. But man, it's so great to see everybody today. And of course, those of you watching online, thanks for tuning in. Uh, on our online campus. We are just honored that you'd spend part of uh, your weekend with us. And man, hasn't it been a, a beautiful couple days? Man, it's just like, I, I guess what I'm, I want to say is, you know, if you, if you got to be in a pandemic, right? If you got to be quarantined, uh, you know, the middle of summer in the Northwest, I don't, I don't think it gets any better than that. And so, man, you know, for your own mental health this afternoon, <laughs> Uh, try to get by a lake or take a walk in the woods or get outside. It's gorgeous. And so uh, I'm counting my blessings today. I'm so grateful to get to stand before you today. And, you know, we've been in this series entitled Joshua Strong and Courageous. We've been walking through the life of Joshua, the story of this incredible godly leader. And man, you talk about a perfect uh, story to tell during these difficult days. I want you to know that uh, the group of people that he led, they were in some tricky days as well. And so it's great that we can already have a model in place that we see in Scripture that we can glean from, that we can learn from. And so today, uh, where we're at in the point of the story is a battle. And maybe it might be the most famous battle in the Bible, it's Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Anyone know that story? Joshua and the, and of course, there was a little song we used to sing in Sunday school. When Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, hey, Jericho, hey. You know what? Jericho, hey. Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Now, if, if you've only been a Christian for like 30 minutes, you're like, that's the weirdest song. I know it's a weird song, but... We used to sing these little songs. So today I want to talk about uh, this famous battle, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. And man, I don't know about you, but it sure feels like over the course of the last four months, we've been in a battle, yeah? Maybe not a physical battle, but man, a spiritual one, right? And, and, and here, here's the thing about this, this uh, battle that we feel like we're in right now with the pandemic going on across the globe. Uh, this too shall pass, right? Like, we're, I know it doesn't feel like it, but we're eventually going to come out on the other side, right? But, but there might be some bad news to that, and that is there's going to be another battle, right? I mean, life is, life is really a series of battles. It's a series of valleys. Now, yeah, there's some mountaintops. There's a lot of great times. But man, there's a, there's a lot of tough times too. But here's the good news even in that. We can read, we can look to God's word because all throughout God's word, he gives us instruction. He lays out how we can even be victorious, how we can win, how we can even grow during tough times. And so today, as we look at this story, keeping in mind that in the context of what's going on, you know, we can even grow. I love, I love, did you, did you enjoy Pastor Ashley's teaching last week where, where the children of Israel led by Joshua, they're crossing the Jordan River. And, and if you remember, 
part of the instruction from God was that they were to step out into the water. He, you know, back with Moses in the Red Sea, remember Moses just raised his staff and the, and, the, and the Red Sea opened up. This time, God says, I want you to participate in this miracle. And if you remember, man, the miracle was, wasn't necessarily on the other side of the Jordan River. It was there in the middle because it was there in the middle the real growth took place. And so, I, man, it's been awesome talking to many of you about he, how even in the midst of all of the chaos going on all around us, you're growing. You're learning new things about yourself. You're having uh, more intentional and even different conversations with God like you never have before. So even in the midst of, this, of these uncertain times, there's a possibility to grow. If you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 5, I won't spend a whole long time up here, but Joshua chapter 5, I want to unpack this story a little bit because there's a few keys, there's some components uh, that we can take away from this battle that will help you, it'll help me be victorious in the battles that we face in our own lives. There's these promises that God has for each and every one of us. And if you want to truly walk in them, let me show you a couple of components. Here, here's the first thought that I have from Joshua chapter 5. Just write this down, and that is the cutting and consecration. The cutting and consecration. You say, what in the world? Let, let, me, let me set it up. I'll get to it. Just write that down. I'll come back to it. Joshua chapter 5 is where we pick up in this story. I just mentioned that the children of Israel, they've, they've, they've crossed the Jordan River. Uh, and now the Israelites are looking down the bar barrel of Jericho. There it is. And they're ready to take it. And, and really in the first verse, I, lo I love how the, how, the, how the writer lays it out. It says, it says that the Canaanite kings, this was the enemy, right? The, the Canaanite kings that their hearts melted with fear when they noticed the Israelite army that was upon them. Why? Because they had heard exactly what Jehovah, the God of Israel, had just done for them by holding back the, the river and allowing them to cross through. And they're freaking out. The scripture says their hearts melted with fear. I love that. So, so here they are. Israel's about to destroy Jericho. They're about to step into the promised land that God had promised them 600 years before they even got there. Remember, it was first promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 15. And every time the promise was stated all between those 600 years, every time it was stated, God made it very clear what was required of them. And so they, they finally had their freedom out of slavery from Egypt, but they had walked, they hadn't walked into the fullness of that promise yet. We talked about it over the course of the last several weeks that the children of Israel ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And now Joshua is now the leader. He knows that he's about to face the greatest battle up until that point of his life and the fulfillment of 600 years of a promise that God had given them. Uh, no pressure, Joshua. <laughs> like, like, you're about to lead this. 
No pressure. And so Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 2, God gives Joshua specific instructions that to me seem like the worst battle plan ever. All right, let's just go to the scripture right here. Um, Starting in verse 2, it says, "At, At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Get a bunch of uh, people that can do massages really good and, and make sure, you know, get a, a buffet line and, you know, get a bunch of rest and just relax. We're going in. I want you to have as much. No, that's not what it says, right? Look what it says. It says, at the time, the Lord said to Joshua, go get a bunch of knives. <laughs> in fact, go, go make some knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Someone say again. Again? So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gabeath and Haraloth. What? <laughs> like right, right before the battle, Lord, you want me to do what? You don't want us to rest up? You don't want us to prepare? You don't want us to get some food? You want us to go do that? Right? Now, if you don't know what that word is, quickly Google it and then shut your phone off, okay? But it's dramatic and painful, all right? And invasive, okay? And and so the Lord says, I want you to do this right before you go out and fight. To me, it sounds slightly counterintuitive, okay? But this is what the Lord instructs. And so, so you see, see, Here's what I want you to know about that. And that is God had called his people to set themselves apart from everybody else. And this is one way that God, the God of Israel did this. Even in captivity, they used circumcision to consecrate themselves to God. Meaning consecration was the act of separating themselves from everybody else to be in alignment with God. And it was a sacred act. And so God says, I want you to proceed with this consecration, this sacred act, this symbol of not only reminding everybody else around you of who you are, but to remind yourself, all right? I'm telling you, if you're a grown man getting circumcised, you're gonna get humbled really quick. And you're gonna wanna focus your attention on God. That's exactly what's going on here. So God says, do this because I want you to consecrate. I want you to set yourself apart for me. But here's the thing. In the wilderness, they had forgotten what God had asked of them. Because no one born in the wilderness was ever circumcised. So you had an entire generation that had forgotten the practice of being separated being set apart for God. There was an entire generation who had no idea the power of that. God was calling these children of Israel to something higher, higher than what everybody else was doing. Sounds a little like today, right? God is calling his church in the midst of this battle, in the midst of this chaos. He's calling you, he's calling me to to, to take the next step to consecrate ourselves, to separate ourselves in a very spiritual sense. He's calling to the church to step up, to be be one with him in a new, unique way. This practice required a cutting away 
so that they could be focused on what God had provided and called them to do. So the question is, what does God want to cut away from your life right now? What, what, what's the thing that's keeping you from fully consecrating yourself, fully being in alignment with what he has? What is that thing that needs to be cut out of your lives? God's tactics most of the time don't line up with our tactics, right? <laughs> like the preparation from our perspective when it comes to battle probably didn't look like this or will ever look like this, but God uses his ways and not our ways to help us walk through every season of our lives. Joshua chapter five, go to verse eight. And that is, it says this, and after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained there, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Amen. Verse nine, then the Lord said to Joshua, today, I love this, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. That word reproach in this context refers to shame. So God says, I am, I'm moving all of the shame that you have, that you've carried with you through the wilderness that happened to you and your ancestors back there in Egypt. Some of the things that you had to do in Egypt, man, some of the things that your fathers and, and grandfathers had to do in that pagan land, man, you are carrying that with you. And because I love you today, I am removing all of that shame out of your life. And I want you to know, my friend, that's what God does for you today. I don't know what you've walked in here with. I don't know where you're at watching online in your living room. Maybe you love God. You've been walking with God, but man, you're still caring whatever you did in the past. You've got shame that you feel like has rolled down from generation and from generation onto you. I want you to know we serve a God, my friends, who's willing and able to, 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 to roll that back in your life. So be encouraged today. The cutting and the consecration, there's a covenant, there's a promise that you and I are able to walk into. So that's the first thought I have about this. Here's a second thought, and that is the sides and the stances. You got, you got, to, know, you, you, you got to know whose side you're standing on. And not only that, you got to know the stance that you're taking on the side that you're on. You know, uh, believe it or not, I played a little sports, I know, uh, in, in high school. I was a phenomenal athlete. That's a big lie. I was very, very mediocre. I barely made the team, but I, I made the team, you know, and I can remember being a freshman in high school. And uh, that year, man, not a good, uh, basketball, not a good, not a good year. We just, terrible. We would just get rolled up every game. And our, the, the rival high school, man, they just owned us. And they, they just like, they, they were licking their chops when they knew that they had to play us because it was just going to be a bloodbath. You know what I'm talking about? And we kind of like, you know, like when the teams come in, you know, now welcome, whatever high school. And you, the, the, they run in and I'm like, yeah, like we, we would just kind of like kind of sneak in. You know what I mean? We were just so embarrassed. We just sucked. You know what I mean? It was terrible. And, and I just remember that year just being like, oh, man. And... Uh, you know, into the summer, and I played summer league and that sort of thing. 
And uh, I can remember that rival high school, they all played summer league too. And, and so all summer long, just, just wearing us out. Man, you guys are terrible, man. We're going to destroy you. I mean, all summer, like, ah, doing all that. And man, I just was not looking forward to my sophomore year because it's just going to be the same old deal. You know what I mean? And uh, there were some rumors going around that uh, a Goliath of a man may be transferring to our high school. Oh, yes. And that Goliath of a man uh, could throw down on the basketball court. He was 6'9", all right, 260. And there was rumors that he had ripped off rims on the basketball, the, 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 the park, the street court, you know. And his name was Brent Jones, okay. And Brent Jones may even be watching because I know that he still lives here locally and um, you know, I was thinking about Brent Jones this week, just a monster of a man. I, I remember catching wind of this, and it started going around. And sure enough, it turned out that Brent was transferring to our school. And so with that, we knew that he'd be playing on our team. And when I heard that, man, I, 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 was, I was a changed man. You know what I'm talking about? It was like, Brent Jones is coming to play on my team. You know what I'm talking about? It was like, Oh, game on. And like this, this like out of nowhere courage just rose up inside of me. And it was like, Brent Jones, you know what I'm talking about? He's like, he's joining my team, you know? And sure enough, Brent joins our school and joins the team. And sure enough, in practice, this dude is just like, I'm talking like, I mean, I can remember one practice where he dunked the basketball so hard. You know, like in the high school gym, sometimes they have chains connected to the backboard. Snap that puppy right in half. And I was like, oh, whoo, man, bring them on, you know. And I can remember that first game. You talk about when they, please welcome high school. We came out of there. I, man, I was, we were just doing all kinds of dumb stuff, right? Brent Jones, we throwing up. Brent Jones, Whoa! Like in, this is like This is like a, you know, 16-year-old kid. And we were just like, like yeah, he's, a, he's on my team. And I'll never forget, man, we got to that rival game against that high school and they called us out onto their court i'll never one year later we got brent jones one year, we're on their court and I, we we come flying out of that locker room and i was just like you know just all the stuff and 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 like pass it to brent and he's like like in warm-ups and i'm like going by the bench like you know like you know, like doing all that kind of stuff just cocky right and i'm just like yeah and i'll never forget we sit down we're, we're, we're getting ready to play. There's Brent, dude, just Goliath, dude. And I'm sitting there, my cousin, my best friend's on the, on the team with me. And he's like, man, he looks at me, he goes, you're, you're so happy, bro. Like, what are you smiling so, wow, you're so happy. And I look and I go, I go, bro, it's because Brent Jones, man. Brent Jones is on my team. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He says, bro, Brent Jones isn't on your team. You're on Brent Jones's team. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, no, 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 you got this backwards. No, 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 you're, you're not, you know, you know, he's not on your team. Uh, uh, I'm telling you, you're on, you should be honored that you're on his team. I'll never forget that. And so here we are in the middle of this story. It's right before the first battle that Joshua would ever face, whatever, the, one of the toughest battles he'd ever face as a leader of Israel. And you can only imagine some of the insecurities that he's facing. If he was afraid at all at this point in his life, 
This is probably where it happened. Go to the scripture. It says this, verse 13 of chapter 5. It says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, coming out of that locker room, man, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or our enemies? Hey, are you on my team or are you on the opposing team? Look what he says in verse 14. It says, neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So this angel looks at Joshua and says, wrong question, bro. <laughs> he, he, he says, the question isn't if I'm on your side. The question is always if you're on the Lord's side. That's the question today. And I think so often we catch ourselves in moments of stress, when we feel overwhelmed, when the burdens feel like they're coming at us left and right. So many times, I'm not pointing, I'm gonna talk for myself. Here's been my prayer. God, I need your help right now. I need you to be on my side right now, right? Where are you at? Can you come over here on my side? And I'm not saying that that's a wrong prayer, but man, what if we could reframe that prayer? What if we could pray, God, I want you to know I'm on your side. Wherever you're leading me, I'm gonna go. If you want me to walk through this trial, if you want me to walk through this valley, I, I know you got a plan for my life. Lord, I want you to know that I'm on your side. It's not about you being on my side. I wanna be on your side. I want what you have for me. I wanna go where you're leading today. So whose side are you on? Are you demanding that God be on your side? Brent Jones is on my team. No, he's not. You're on his team. God's on my side. No, he's not. You're on his side. If we can reframe that, when we, you can face any battle. It changes everything. When you know you're on God's side, when he's leading you out, when you walk into that doctor's office and you're ready to get that report and you're afraid, man, you, you, can, you can just bring it. God for me. He sits before me. He's got a plan for me. If it comes back positive, he's got a plan. If there's nothing left in my bank account, he's got a plan. If I don't know when this pandemic's gonna be over, I know he's gonna use it for his glory. I'm telling you, my friends, today, you gotta change your mind. You gotta reframe the question and say, man, I'm, it's not about him being on my side. It's, not, it's everything to do with me being on his side. I'm telling you, it'll change everything. And so look what happens here. Look at verse 14. It says, then Joshua, watch this, watch the, the okay, so, so he gets this realization from, from, this, from this angel. And it's like the lights, it was like me sitting on the bench. It was like, oh, Todd, no, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm on his side. And look what happens here when he gets, when, he, when, he, when Joshua realizes what the angel just said to him. It says, Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message which, what message does my Lord have for his servant? I love that act of humility. He says, what do, what do I do, Lord? Give me the battle plan. I, I want to be on your side. I want you to go before me. Look at verse 15. The commander of the Lord's army replied, I love this, take off your sandals 
Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy, meaning sacred, meaning set apart. Where you're standing right now is different than where you were just standing. And so because of that, you got to do something. You better take those shoes off because this is sacred ground. This is holy ground. And so Joshua did so. So the first battle strategy was was to uh, uh, do do some stuff below the belt, which that's kind of scary. And the second part of the strategy is, is God says, you know, take your shoes off and bury them in the hot desert sand. Okay, so like you talk about battle tactics, those aren't mine, okay? Th- they're God's. And so there's a, there's a few places in scripture where we see this, this is a cool thought. There's a few places in scripture where we see this removal of shoes, all right? The symbol of removing the shoes. You see it in a few different places and it's really a symbol of one of two things. Number one, it's God is requiring recognition that the time and place, this experience that you're having right now, that it's consecrated, that it's set apart for something specific that he wants to do. And it's usually during great times of stress, anxiety, and fear. Do you remember when Moses has an experience at the burning bush where God is speaking through that burning. What happens there? He says, Moses, take, he's under stress. He's, he's, he's about to find out what he's, his assignment is. He says, take, take your shoes off. You're, you're standing on holy ground. And I love this. It's, it's, it's this battleground that you're standing on. It's, it's holy ground. You're not here because God wants to punish you, but because God wants to take you into greater places. You got to understand that today. This battle that you're in, that feels overwhelming, it's not because God wants to punish you. It's because he's preparing you. He's growing you for something greater that you would never be able to accomplish without having to be on that holy battle ground today. The sides, the stance, the second component in scripture where we see the removal of shoes. This is cool is when there was a transfer of land or property. Come on. What's going on here is that the angel of the Lord in this passage is saying, Joshua, you've aligned yourself with me. You've set yourself apart to be in agreement, to follow out the plans and the tactics of God. And right now I'm giving it to you. It's all ready yours. And you're going to see as this story happens, they don't have to do a whole lot to conquer Jericho. Just like Joshua, it's time to change our minds about the battles, the hard times that we face, that they aren't a place of punishment. They're sacred. They're holy. We're called to look at them in that particular way. So you got to understand the cutting, the covenant, the promise, the consecration. Understand the sides. It's not about God necessarily being on your side. It's about us being on his side. It's about us aligning with his will for our lives. Understanding that. And here's the third one as the band comes back, and that is the seeing and the shouting. The seeing and the shouting. This is the There's all kinds of components in the story, but I just wanted to give you three today. Seeing and the shouting. Let me me get to the text and we'll talk a little bit about that. So move over to Joshua chapter six. 
It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Now that's interesting and a bit strange that God sees this, but it hadn't taken place yet. Like you got, you got to stop. You can't just blow through scripture. You got, you got to stop and marinate in it a little bit. Now try to get, try to get in those soldiers' shoes, right? Here, here's one of the most, in, in that ancient land, in that context, one of the most powerful uh, infrastructures, military warrior. Jericho was a fortress. And, and, and they haven't even swung a sword yet. And they're looking at it, and God says, See? <laughs> there it is. It's over. It's all yours. Now think about that, for example, for a second. Seeing. God says, see, there it is. I've given it all to you. All the kings of Canaan behind those walls, the leaders, they're yours. It's over. I I know Pastor Ashley's told this story before, but it's just, it's a great story. Any any, uh, Walt Disney fans in here? A little couple of them? Yeah, Walt Disney, right? If you've heard this story, just maybe there's not someone in here that has heard this story, so just... You know, it's a good, it's a cool story, but, you know, uh, by the way, Tom Hanks did a, a, a movie about his life, which is pretty good, but anyway, um, you know, his dream, his dream was the Magic Kingdom, you know what I mean? It was Disney World, and, you know, the amount of obstacles it took for him to, you know, uh, bring his dreams to fruition, and it's fascinating that he gave most of his life to that dream. And he died in 1966. And Disney World didn't open until 1971. Think about that. So he dies and five years goes by. And on that opening day, the historians will tell you that they were honoring his wife, Lillian Disney. Isn't that an awesome name, by the way? By the way, my name's Lillian Disney. Anyway, um, there was his wife, and story goes that one of Disney's associates, one of his colleagues, was standing next to her, and as they they cut the red ribbon and the gates to the Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World opened up. Historians say that this associate looked at Lillian and said, Wow, Mrs. Disney, (laughs) I sure wish that Walt, or you can jump ahead if you want, if Walt could have seen this. And the story goes that she kind of laughed. And she said, are you kidding me? He's always seen it. It's a powerful thought. 
He's always seen it. I don't need to necessarily be there to see the physical components because I, I already did and now there it is. And God gives specific instructions. He says to Joshua and that army, he says, he says, see it? Do you, you see it? Once you see it, now act. Now I, I, could, I, could, I could do another two hours on just that thought <laughs> com, com, connected to what it means for the believer to have vision, to see it, and, then, and now just walk it, walk it out as the Holy Spirit leads you. But let's, let's go to the text and finish this thought, and that is Joshua chapter 6, starting in verse 3. Here's the instruction. It says, march around... March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams, horns, in front of the ark. That, the, the ark was a, was a structure that at that time housed the presence of God. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. Meaning that the closer you get, the harder you have to fight. Okay? So march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Silence until you're told to shout. Look at verse 10. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. Stay silent until I tell you to shout. You see, the difference between Moses' leadership and Joshua's leadership was in the circling you say, what are you talking about? Well, here's Joshua, and symbolically, they're circling Jericho. But many of us know that for 40 years prior to that, what did the children of Israel do in the wilderness for those 40 years with Moses as their leader? Historians, theologians will tell you that they literally just circled the desert over and over and over. And what were they doing while they were circling the desert for 40 years? They were grumbling. They were complaining. They were giving their opinions on everything. They were giving their opinions on the previous opinions that they had about the opinions before that. They were, they were, they were arguing and it was chaos. There was division all throughout the children of Israel. And they said, ah, they're posting on Facebook and Instagram and on and on and on and on. And Joshua understood the stronghold that, that the noise had on the people of Israel. And he said, shut up until I tell you to shout. Seven days. You can just think about this. Here's a group of people that all they do is complain. Their parents did. Their grandparents did. 
for 600 years. Think about that. Like, I mean, have you, have you ever been around? I got, you know, a little guy, man. And we, we're, you know, when we drive to church on Sunday mornings, Ash and I just want to listen to Hillsong quietly. You know, it's like four in the morning. You know what I mean? It's just like, and our kids are in the back and folding. I mean, just like, I'm like, son, it's 3.45 in the morning. We're trying to drive to church. Just be, you know. And so I, I could kind of imagine like, like the children of Israel walking around the, like, I gotta say, I gotta say something. But Joshua said, be quiet. And here they are. Just go. Can you imagine seven days where these people who their whole identity wasn't talking and making notes. Here they are. But you know what? They were able to obey the instruction from Joshua that came from God himself. And what did the scripture say? Man, on the seventh day, and you can, man, you talk about shouting, right? Like, can you imagine that? People are used to screaming all the time. Seven days are, you know, six, quiet, and the seven, man. Their, their voices alone brought that, that whole, those walls down, man. Now, of course not. That was the spirit of God. But man, what a cool way to get to partner with God. The high priest in front sounded trumpets. The army shouted. The walls fell. And they charged in to win the battle. Now, why do I say all that? Man, because, man, we're in the middle of something that right now. And I'm not saying just be quiet all the time, but man, there's, there's, there's things that we're shouting, whether we realize it or not, that isn't contributing to the kingdom of God whatsoever. It's dividing us as brothers and sisters in Christ, man. And I think it's really important that we're continually like, like staying connected, using discernment, staying connected to what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. We need to quiet our spirits. This is a symbol for us today to quiet ourselves, to take some time to look inside. Are there appropriate times to speak up? Of course, right? Of course. But what happens is when that's all it is, not only does it get lost in translation, people start to tune you out. It starts to become destructive to the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit, man, if I, if I could just encourage you as a pastor here at Church for All Nations, man, 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 there, there, there's part of this, process of looking more and more like Christ, right? Not more and more like something we look up to or a politician or what all these different ideals say, but man, what does the scripture say? What is the kingdom all about? And man, as we pursue that, what happens is we, we begin to get more peaceful with inside ourselves. Our spirits begin to quiet. We begin to prefer one another. E even if we don't agree with their, with their political stance or their ideals, man, we go, you know what, man, I love that person, and that's not what's important. What's important is my love for them and their love for God and vice versa. We got to come together, right? These are kingdom principles, I know. But the reason why you're here is because that's what you're all about. That's what you're all about. Come on, bow your heads. Let me pray for you. What a powerful story. I wish we could like just do a whole series just on the battle of Jericho. There's so much there, so much there. But I wonder today... Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here in the building. You say, Pastor, pray for me. 
yeah, this battle is raging. And for me, it's, it's not just an international virus that's going around. It's like, it's like 20 things in my life. I feel like I got 30 battles going on right now. I feel like I'm losing them all. I've, I've, I've been fighting them on my own. I've been using my tactics and the enemy is overtaking me. Today, Pastor, will you, will you include me in your final prayer? I want to I say yes to a new commander in my life and that's Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit. I want to I submit my life to Jesus today. I want to give my life to Christ and say, Lord, you go before me. I don't, I'm not calling you to come over and get on my side. I want to get on your side. I want you to lead me through these battles victoriously. And friend, I'm telling you right now, he has come through for me time and time and time again in my life. If you're watching online and you're like, you know, that's what, well, maybe that's for you. And I'm telling you, I, I, can, I can parade people across the stage hand them a mic, and they'll, they'll each do a couple hours talking about all the stuff that the Lord's done in their life, battles they've overcome, whether it's sickness or finance. Man, there, there are, there, there, there's marriages that were, in my estimation, were over. I was like, I'm not going to even like, and, and, and you know what? The Holy Spirit put them back together. I mean, that's what our God does. So if you're here today and you say, I want that, I want to surrender my life to a new commander, and that is Jesus Christ. Maybe if you're in this auditorium, you just want to slip your hand up like this. If anybody's here, you say, that's me. Yeah, thanks. Say, yeah, it's me. Thank you. Thank you. If you're watching online in your man cave, you can raise your hand too. I see you in your man cave, wherever you're at. Jesus' name. God, I thank you for my friends. God, thank you for this beautiful story of, of, of not only the reality of that you go before us, that you're in it with us, but even in the process, you're shaping us, you're growing us, you're making us stronger. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you're a God that truly does care. Truly does care. So Lord Jesus, for my friend right now who's watching, my friends that raised their hand in this auditorium, just say, say it in your own words. Jesus, I give you control of my life. I, I ask for forgiveness of mistakes I've made in my life that you know that word mistakes is just sin that word sin just simply means missing the mark man I've missed the mark so many times and we serve a God who's willing to forgive us and help us and guide us so Holy Spirit come into say it like this come into my life begin to heal me begin to direct me begin to speak to me as I quiet my spirit as I as I, as I get into your word as I get in tune with what you're saying Thank you that you're going to lead me in the right direction. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.